Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. My name is Grant. And I'm Chanel. And today we are going to be talking about preparing for and sitting for your L3, your CrossFit Certified Trainer L3 exam. And this has been covered in a couple other podcasts. I know best hour of their day has an episode specifically on this, and there might be some overlap there, uh, but all the better in my opinion. And uh, I'm sure they've got really good stuff as well. So I would just soak it all up and uh, take, you know, from this and those other sources, whatever helps you succeed. So uh, instead of pontificating or, or getting too theoretical about it, all I wanted to do was talk about exactly what I did to prepare for the exam and pass it, Look, thankfully, on the first try. Um, so, you know, my strengths might not be your strengths, my weaknesses might not be your weaknesses, but the, at least I can just tell you exactly what I did to get through it, uh, and uh, hopefully it helps. So, um, thinking through uh, some of the things that we did to get ready for uh, one of them was uh, we were at a place in our lives where I was working full time and Chanel was in a period where she was able to, you were going through school, right? Uh, or going back to school, something like that. You're at a time where we were able to, you were able to be home a little bit and while I was at work. And so this provided the opportunity to, um, play to my strengths a little bit in that Chanel recorded herself reading the level one and level two training guides. So I knew from, you know, my life that, uh, I am not a very good reader. I'm super slow and narcoleptic. I fall asleep very quickly. If you want to make me go to sleep or take a nap, have me read any kind of book. Um, so I, I definitely prefer audiobooks, podcasts, things like that. Listen to that a lot. And so her recording those things was really, really helpful in that um, I was able to essentially, in quotation marks, reread the L1 and L2 handbook many, 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 many times. Because what I would do is get those recordings onto my phone. And then I would, um, I had a a pair of Bluetooth headphones, and I would listen to them at work while doing other stuff. And so I was able to crank out repetitions, which a lot of this stuff is is rote memorization, or at least having that rote memorization in allows your brain to relax in other areas enough to um, help you, you know, kind of expand your knowledge a little bit. So getting those repetitions under your belt of the L1 and L2, in my opinion, is a really big deal. And uh, that allowed me to do that pretty easily. Um, and some other things right off the bat that really helped was 
flashcards was another big one that uh, I felt was really, really important. Um, stealing from uh, Chanel in terms of her previous experience going through Jumpmaster School and then also her um, education, uh, largely being in the medical field. Um, I know flashcards are not unique to medicine, but uh, medical students tend to rely on that stuff a lot when you need to be able to, again, get in quick and effective repetitions in high volume of uh, material that, you know, you need to be able to spit back out relatively quickly. Flashcards are a tried and true effective way of doing it. And again, uh, you should notice a pattern here is this stuff is pretty low tech, but highly effective. Um, takes a lot of work to make flashcards, takes a ton of work uh, that Chanel put in recording, as I later found out here on this podcast, recording the L1 handbook, which I just finished and am taking a break from before I go on to the L2, but it's exhausting reading that stuff out loud uh, into the microphone. So I very much appreciate that, but putting in that effort and then putting in the effort to make all those flashcards um, helps. And then of course, the next step with flashcards is actually using them. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who make big fat stacks of flashcards and then they sit in the rubber band for and never get used. So that was a really, really big one for me. Um, I was lucky enough to, and this is another aspect to learning is being in the right space in your life, um, to be able to, uh, devote time, serious time to the study. Um, so <laughs> I was a, ter not a terrible, but not great employee at, uh, rogue fitness. This is, that's where I was working, uh, in the laser department there. Uh, while I was studying for the L3. So 12-hour shifts, uh, and during that time, you know, uh, w listening to the L1 or L2 handbook or CrossFit-related podcasts and other material on strength and conditioning and general physical preparedness training and all that good stuff, uh, I was able to – my job was relatively – I wouldn't say mindless, but – you know, after you got good at it, you didn't have to devote 100% attention to it all the time. And so I was able to get in many, many hours of at least mental rehearsal and study during that time. And I know I've, I got talking to it more than a couple of times. I'll go on to the next thing that I was talking about uh, dealing with, with the study material is the um, recommended reading list, which is this long, long, long list of journal articles, which is in the L3 study materials section. And that was another aspect to it was I turned my job essentially into a uh, <laughs> paid internship. Again, I'm using the uh, air quotes, but really I treated my time at Rogue as the same way a probably a TA or a work study student at at a university does when they work at say the bookstore or the gym, right? <laughs> you've all, if you've been to the university or something like that, you know, you go to the gym or the bookstore at the university and there's that, um, usually bored, uh, student at the front desk, just swiping cards or doing that, you know, repetitious job to pay less for tuition. But in the, they're usually, uh, flipping if they're, if they're smart, they're flipping through a book or hitting some flashcards while they're doing that. And that's, essentially what I used my time at Rogue to do, which was to uh, 
get paid to study for my L3 and furthering. Am I saying you should do that? Maybe not. You know, it depends on what your priorities are in life. But for me, my priority was to work towards becoming a professional coach. That was, and that involved getting my L3 and then applying for seminar staff internship. And I knew this study process would benefit both of those things. So uh, every day I would <laughs> print off, and they can't do anything about it. I'm not their employee anymore, but <laughs> I would use I would use the uh, printer at work and print off uh, two or three of those journal articles and uh, dog ear the hell out of them and highlight them uh, over the course of the day. And then, you know, throw them in my binder and then r- rinse, wash, repeat. I was on a Panama schedule there, so it was usually uh, two days on and then two days off or occasionally three days on and then a three-day off. And so it provided a nice little balance of every day I was at work, I would be studying most of the day, and then every day I was off, I would usually be um, coaching. You know, that's where I would I would coach over at our gym. So it was a nice little balance of practical and, um, and otherwise. You got anything on like flashcards and, and some of those study routines. A lot of that stuff I was copying from that, you know, from what you did for Jump Master or for Master Fitness Trainer or some of those other courses that you went through. Yeah, I uh, used a lot of note cards. Uh, also played, like, shadowing games where you pretend there's somebody there and you just talk through or put, like, they were called deficiencies in Jump Master School. Um but uh, things that could go wrong. Each note card has something that could go wrong on it, and you have it flipped upside down, and you could start a timer, flip a card over, and go through how you would fix that. And if you still have time left, flip another one over and go through how you would fix that and play, like, little games like that once you felt pretty solid with the material that you were looking at and also getting together just with groups of people and just spitballing, talking it out, talking out different scenarios. Yeah, that's that's a aspects of that are like a whole different episode too in um the internship kind of process because that um that shadow boxing methodology like you were saying that i mean definitely would not hurt your ability to you should you should probably do something very similar to that prepping for the l2 um and then if you want to go for an internship with staff absolutely is where that helped. For instance, watching or creating a playlist of uh, YouTube videos of the red shirts going about their work. Yeah. And uh, recording that and then uh, following along with it almost. So, you know, you get a video of them coaching a small group circle through the overhead squat, you know, get the audio from it play it literally old school. I don't know. I'm sure there's a high tech way of doing it, but what I did was play my speaker in towards the audio recording device. And then I'd have the audio file on my phone and then yeah, at work or, you know, find a place where no one's going to walk in on you and think you're a really weird person. Um, you know, coaching an imaginary person through the air squat go Mm -hmm. point by point. Cause as, as we know from, from, you know, lessons learned as CrossFit coaches, or many of us have come to make this realization is it is much easier to steal an already super effective cue or process from an experienced coach and just repeat what they're doing and let it organically turn into your own thing over time than it is to 
think you're cool enough to invent a way of teaching the squat or something from scratch or, or whatever, because it'll be embarrassing and <laughs> difficult and fraught with failure. At least if you just straight up copy an amazing expert, virtuous, you know, uh, coach, then, um, you'll at least have a good model to start with. And though it may be a little clunky because it's not quite yours, it will quickly evolve, uh, over time into, you know, your own personality if you put in the work. So, uh, it's a good way to start. The L3 exam though, has quite a bit of video in it. And I wanted to hit on that a little bit. Uh, I think the best preparatory tool for that was the Spot the Flaw course. The Spot the Flaw online course on CrossFit.com is pretty darn good. And they actually just up, re-updated it, right? Even better now. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much better. I was so frustrated the first time around doing it. Yeah. It was a little glitchy. The formatting wasn't that great in... Uh, when it was originally came, when it originally came out, it was some of the same frustrations that I've heard many people have with the uh, the judging course, where it's like there'd be some things that didn't quite make sense, or um, you know, some frustrating stuff there. But uh, the, I think they redid it, so the video is a little crisper and cleaner, and um, the 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 formatting is just a little nicer, easier to use. But uh, yeah, you'll definitely run into some of that in the. Uh, in the L3 exam. And I think one of the things that would, will help with that is the rote memorization of some of the guiding principles in CrossFit. A lot of them are a little too long to make useful acronyms of like the 10 general physical skills. Try to make an acronym with, with those is really, really hard. Um, but uh, then also, you know, the the, the eight um, common elements of functional movement from your L2 uh, training guide. And then like the six um, domains of coaching, that sort of thing. Uh, having those memorized will really, really help in just setting the tone because a lot of questions, mm, you know, will have to do with you know, what is the most appropriate thing? Or here's this list of things that is going wrong in this situation, which would we address first? And so if you have those base principles memorized uh, and you can reference them easily in your head or on the scratch piece of paper that you get, uh, it will help you find the right answer uh, intuitively. And uh, so that was one of the tactics that I used actually in the test itself and um, definitely didn't hurt. Um, Probably helped in many other ways that I can't quite articulate. But um, what I did was I had memorized the, gosh, what, the 10 general physical skills. I had the eight characteristics of functional movement from the level two, the uh, elements of coaching. So like teaching, seeing, correcting, group management, all that good stuff. And probably one or two other things. And they give you, when you go into the testing center, you sit down in front of your computer and they show you how to use the headset and everything and uh, get ready to log in and all that. And you have a scratch piece of paper there with you. And then you've got a few minutes 
there to kind of collect yourself. And then you hit the start button on the screen, which starts the actual test. So <laughs> I almost got, I don't know if I would have almost got talked to by the other person, but I probably took a little too long to start the, the thing. It didn't cause any problems, but I sat there before I hit the start button on the test and wrote out on the scratch piece of paper, all those things that I had loaded into my head so that they were at least on the paper, you know, mechanics, consistency, intensity, a lot of those things that are, you know, um, the same all the time and guiding foundational principles is kind of the idea that if I got them out of my head and onto the piece of paper, I could free up space to critically think about other stuff. And then I could very easily reference them off the piece of paper. Because for instance, if, if you know, if you've looked at your L2 training guide in, in some ways, those, those elements of functional movement also in their description and in their definition, tell you the order in which you should triage them when looking to make corrections or coaching, cueing an athlete. So if you have those down and in the right order, you learn how to have them in, in that order, then it will then again, give you um, an indication as to what the most right answer is in a, in a circumstance, which is usually what gets people in, in that um, caveat too, being I'm also traditionally, for whatever reason, very good at taking multiple choice tests. I know that's usually a yes or no. So I'm sitting across from Chanel, who is my polar opposite in that instance. You hate multiple choice tests. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> no further comment. Yes. Yes, I hate them. I'm like, can I just explain what my answer would be? I don't want to pick A, B, C, or D. <laughs> yeah. No, and that was one of the things that mortified me a little bit about registering and sitting for my L3 is I had talked to a couple of other coaches who had either sat for it or who um, had passed it. And most of them had said that they had failed it once or twice before um, and, and couldn't put into really articulate words why they thought they failed it the first time or two or had not yet resat for it again after failing it. But after asking them questions and then taking it myself, it was another thing that I kind of stole from Chanel or at least in, in her stuff with expert field medical badge and some of the other stuff she had done in the army and some of the stuff that I had seen in the army as well through like expert infantry testing or, or things like that is I think one of the problems that experienced CrossFit coaches have sitting for their L3 is that they mistakenly think that their practical experience is worth a whole lot more. And that sounds really bad because it is worth a lot. But how do we say this? You're going to have to help me out here, Chanel. But like, there's a way you start doing things in the real world with your clients in a day-to-day -day that kind of turns into your own shorthand, your own slang. You know, go to... It just as a great example of this, you can go to five different CrossFit gyms with five different really good coaches, and you're probably going to get a pretty different experience all the way around. You're still going to get the fundamentals of CrossFit and a good class and strength and conditioning, all that good stuff, but you're going to get a different feel for sure. And you'll probably hear different lingo and different terminology that's kind of grown up organically in that gym's culture. And the deal that it's just reminded me a lot about what you had talked about as a medical officer going into expert field medic 
competition training. Yeah, it was training. easier for like the admin people. So it was medical service um, mm-hmm. admin, but I wasn't the medic. So I hadn't been through, I haven't been giving IVs for years and years because you kind of just get your own way, you know, find your own way of giving an IV. It's all correct. But like when you go through the schooling, there's various specific step one, step two, step three, step four, maybe they add more checks or more just little things. Um, and so you had to do every single step by the book to pass. So it was almost easier for the admin medical people who were, I'm learning how to do IV the first time. So I'm learning by your steps versus the medic that's been doing it for 10 years, but they'd kind of have their own routine now. So like going back to like the book step-by-step made it harder for them actually than someone who it was like their first time. And so all you had were the steps. Yeah. And it could be an element of why it was easier for me to pass on my first try on that test is, I mean, partially because I'm good at taking tests, but also because I had never really amassed a huge amount of coaching experience in other gyms. I mean, we, I don't, I'd been a personal trainer for a really long time and I used CrossFit methodology for my L1 and L2 in my in-personal training, but I personal trained at a regular Globo gym. So I was like the weirdo uh, training people in CrossFit in the regular gym. And then when we coached out of our garage on base, it was just us. And we were just using .com programming or, you know, what we were putting together out of, you know, the, the handbook. And so it was all, almost always out of that rule book. We had not had the experience of going to a place that uses comp train or, you know, some other, um, you know, design programming that's way off the beaten path or different than, than com or something like that. And so um, I hadn't had that chance to sort of deviate off and create our own style to then have to unlearn um, because that is one, one of the elements of the L3 that is, I bet you threw off a lot of, very experienced CrossFit coaches was that you're going to be tested on the lingo and the verbiage that is in the handbook, not that you use in your particular gym uh, on an everyday basis. You need to learn what they call it, what, what, you know, what they reference, how they reference it at the L1 and the L2, not at your gym. And so um, that's something to definitely prepare for. It's, it's uh, one of the, biggest pieces of advice I give, especially when I'm talking with box owners who have been box owners for a really long time, who are thinking about sitting for their L3. It's like, you need to come back in and touch on some of those key points, those cornerstone points again. Uh, and what else? I think that's about it, huh? Podcasts. I mean, books, not a whole lot of recommendations there. Honestly, uh, it was mostly the L1, L2 kids and masters training guides. Read those to death. Hi- get a buy highlighters and highlight the crap out of them. Um, that was always the uh, the joke I remember from listening to one of uh, Greg Glassman's lectures when he talked about uh, being a physics tutor or something like that. He was a, yeah, help paid for, pay for school by being a physics tutor. And he was like, on our first meeting together as a tutor, I could tell 
if you were screwed up or not <laughs> by just looking at your physics textbook. So you come come and sit down with me as a tutor and put your physics textbook on the table. And I can tell immediately um, that if your textbook isn't dog-eared, has sticky notes popping out of it, and is full of highlighter marks and wrinkled folded pages, then you just haven't read your fucking book enough and you need to go back and do more reps of that and practice your formulas again and again and again. And that's, if you go and pick up any of Chanel's notebooks <laughs> or any of her textbooks or anything like that, there's sticky notes and highlighter marks and freaking notes written in the margins and all kinds of dog ears and all kinds of crap on those books. And, but that's just the obvious sign of use. If you've picked it up and barely flipped through it one time and then you think that's okay, it's, it's just not. Um, so those training guides, absolute must print them out, bind them, and then wear the crap out of them until they're unreadable and then do it again. And then all of those journal articles. I think I went through the whole list of, of uh, recommended study materials from the CrossFit Journal twice. I did it immediately, went through the whole thing, and again, highlighted them and marked them up, saved them in a binder. And then I think... I went through that period where I listened to the, the, the training guides a lot and did a lot of practical coaching, but then came back before I sat for the exam and re-went through all the CrossFit Journal articles again. Uh, and I think that was really, really helpful. Again, repetition is a big deal. You don't, don't read any of those study materials once and think that it's okay. It, even better, read them and then go explain them to somebody else. That would usually be another key factor is me yakking Chanel's ear off every night at dinner or something like that. Like uh, anything you read in any of these guidebooks, uh, take it, but then try to explain it to somebody else. And then it'll really cement that material into your brain. Okay. I think that's everything we've got. I'm preparing for L3. If uh, come up with more stuff for whatever reason, uh, we'll put on another episode or tie it into some of the other things. But again, uh, you know, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel here or try to give you hypotheticals, I just told you exactly what, exactly what I did uh, to prepare for and take my L3 and uh, pass it on the first try. So if it helps, it helps. I hope, uh, it works for you. Like I said, my strengths might not be your strengths. My weaknesses might not be yours, but uh, take, take what you can from it. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to unitedbystrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners.